You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Well, this morning I wanted to start off. Can everybody see me? I'll just make sure that I'm standing on this side of the pole. There, so everyone can see me. Perfect. This morning, I'm going to start off by um, reading Psalm 63, 1 through, 1 through 8. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there's no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied with fat and rich food. Amen. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Father, this morning we just thank you that your right hand upholds all of us. God, I thank you for the breath in our lungs this morning. God, I thank you for the ability to be able to praise you this morning in freedom. And God, I thank you, Lord, that you are so present in our lives, in our time of need, in our time of rejoicing, in our time of of celebration. And so, God, I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. The spiritual life. What does it mean to live a spiritual life? All of us will have our own idea of what a spiritual life looks like. And I can tell you that over my lifetime, the things that I used to think were spirit, what was what the spiritual life was about have shifted. If you'd asked me when I was 13, one year before I met the Lord, this question, what does the spiritual life look like? I would have told you it was for those religious folks that go to church. I probably would have looked at most of you and thought you guys are Bible thumpers. Really, I would have. And uh, if I didn't think of people that went to church, I would have thought of those kind of eccentric people, you know, the the types of people that are kind of like hippies that uh, never hardly bathe, don't wash their hair, only eat fruit and vegetables that have fallen naturally off the vine. You know, kind of like a, I guess you could say a John the Baptist type. But I grew up in an average secular Canadian family where we spoke very rarely about money, very rarely about politics, and way, 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 way less even about religion. It would just be rude to bring that up at the dinner table. But thank God that God sought me out. And uh, I'm so grateful that at the age of 13, I was able to come to the knowledge of who Jesus was, and I was able to receive him as my personal savior. And this happened when I was 14. And I was dragged to a youth group, much like the one that we have here on a Friday night. And um, I was pretty determined to make that my first and my last time going to church. 
I don't know if any of you have been there where you've been dragged to church, if that was your way that you got here, and you thought, you know what, this will be my first and my last. Um, the only reason I actually went to this youth group was because this persistent girl that I'd known since elementary school harassed me week after week after week. I think some of you know people like this. Some of you maybe are those people. But that's okay. <laughs> There's grace for you. No, this girl harassed me relentlessly. She had an encounter with Jesus, and she wanted me to know this God that she'd met. And uh, I wasn't really interested, but eventually a man caves. A man caves. And uh, as I was going to this youth group, Mid Park Christian Assembly in South Calgary, I remember driving in Heather's mom's blue minivan and thinking, this is my first and last time. I made a little vow in my heart. But God knew how much I needed him. God saw the loneliness that was in my heart every day that I went to school. God knew the pain and the anger that was in my heart from my parents' separation. God knew how cynical and hard-hearted I was. And he really wanted to mess me up. My understanding of God at that time was that if he did exist, he was probably cold and distant. He was probably the type of God that would be like a clockmaker, set up this huge clock, let it run out, and just sit there and watch all the people in misery figure things out on their own. Boy, was I was wrong. I was so wrong, and thank God that I was wrong. You see, the day that I met the Lord, everything in my life began to change. And he accomplished this through a group hug. A group hug. And the best that I can explain it, it was in that moment as if God himself was hugging me. I felt complete peace, love, and contentment. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this when you enter the presence of God, where the things, the baggage, the hurts, the pains that you come in with just begin to melt away in the presence of his glory. And in that moment, I don't even know if, if I tried to hold on to it, I don't think I could have. It's like trying to hold sand. It just, it's impossible. After this experience, it led me on a journey of the pursuit of truth, and I needed to understand what I had experienced, if it was really this God of the Bible, and if it was indeed God at all. After six months of studying, questioning, and resisting the call of the Holy Spirit, I had a youth leader named Jenna approach me one Friday night after youth. And she said, Mark, do you know Jesus? My response to her that day was, you know what? I know a lot about Jesus. I've been coming to youth now for, I don't know, five, six months, and yeah. She said, Mark, I know that you know about Jesus, but do you want to know him? She led me through a prayer. I said, yes, I do want to know him. And I asked Jesus to become my Lord and Savior and to reign in my life, be the king of my life. I know a couple days ago, Rhea said to our little Sophia, she turned two in July, she said, Sophia, who's the king of your life? And Sophia went, Jesus and me. <laughs> I had that same problem. Maybe some of you are suffering with the same, uh, the same disease. <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious. We laughed pretty hard about that. But isn't that the human condition? 
that we want to be Lord of our life. We want to be king. We want to establish our kingdom here on earth. But that's not what the spiritual life is about. The spirit is not the things of the material world that we see, but it's interconnected. And we need to be seeking the things of the spirit. We need to be worshiping God in spirit and in truth, as Pastor Hayward shared not very long ago. You see, the beginning of my spiritual journey led me to where I am today. It was an encounter with God. And I am so grateful every single day that I get to walk alongside Hayward, and be mentored by him, and to be able to serve you here at Cole Lake Community Church. I really am. But I was fortunate right from day one of my walk with Jesus that I understood that God desired to have a relationship with me. He wanted me to know him. And he wanted him to know me. He wanted to know me better every single day. And um, John three sixteen, one of the most famous scriptures, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said this in John 17 that this is eternal life that you would know the only true God and Jesus whom you've sent. We need to know the Lord. And the spiritual life, as I understand it today, is this, to know him. It's to know him, be satisfied and fulfilled in him. To taste and see that God is good. When I use the word spirituality, what, what does that mean to you? Do you envision a monk as some super spiritual person tucked away on a mountainside somewhere praying and meditating on God's word like 12 hours a day? Do you think of a list of spiritual disciplines, things that we have to do, some form of religious obligation, things like prayer, med meditation, Bible study, and fasting? You know, in the past, I would think about these things, these spiritual disciplines in the context of super spiritual people. And I'd create an image in my mind of what I needed to attain. And I would read books about spiritual disciplines, and I'd say, I want that. I'm going to implement that. And do you know what would happen? I would fail miserably. I had this idea in my mind of what it meant to live a spiritual life and what it meant to know Jesus. And it was a list of things that I had to complete, or else somehow I was unspiritual. And every time that I would fail, I'd feel a little bit of guilt, and I'd reflect on my unspiritualness and think, why can't I get this? You see, one thing that I have learned in my walk with the Lord up to date is that spiritual disciplines are an amazing way to know the Lord. It is through the actions of doing certain things that we meet Jesus, that we encounter his presence, that we come to know who he is. But it's not a formula. It's not a formula. It's a relationship. Just as when we spend time with family members, with our, with our wives, with our husbands, it's not a formula. For example, fasting is a discipline where you forsake food, and instead of eating, you put that time aside to pray, to seek God, to meditate on his word, and to connect with him. But the act of starving oneself in and of itself does not necessarily produce fruit or bring you closer to God. It's about putting God first in your mind and your heart and your whole life and intentionally seeking after him. 
I shared about my first encounter with the Lord briefly. And I want to tell you that since that day, I've had many encounters with God. That if that was the only time that I had encountered the presence of God, it would not have sustained me to this point. I wouldn't be standing here right now, I guarantee it. Some of you may be feeling like it's been a while since you've really, really pressed in and really encountered the presence of God, especially outside of a service like this. But that is where it's so special in our own time. Outside of the corporate services, it's important that we are seeking God every single day and that we're having a fresh encounter with him on a regular basis. We need it. We need it so much. Some of you may be feeling like you're in a spiritual drought. You may feel like the psalmist has said, in a dry and weary place in your life where there's no water. And you're in desperate need of some living water this morning. Water that will come into your life and pour out of you. Some of you are living off an experience from one to five years ago. And you need a fresh encounter with the Lord this morning. You need one tomorrow and you need one every day. Some of you may continually be filled, come to church, go to conferences, are constantly being filled. The living water's flowing into you, but you're not letting any out. Many of you will know what happens to a body of water when rivers flow into it and there's no water that leaves a river. It becomes stale and stagnant. It can no longer support life. We need to be people who give as freely as we receive, as it was said this morning. Oh God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. Some of you in this room this morning from talking to you, I know are coming out of a season of unsatisfaction because you know there's more than what we're currently experiencing. You know there's more and you feel like you're on the cusp of something but we can't quite get there. We need to pray for a new hunger to set in in our lives, a passion for Jesus. We need to seek him again. Proverbs 8.17 says, Those who diligently seek me will find me. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Psalms 105.3. You see, the concept of man knowing and encountering God and walking in personal relationship with him is not a new idea. It's not isolated to the New Testament. But in fact, this idea that God is this personal God who wants to know his creation, that wants to live intimately with his creation, extends all the way from Genesis, the f first book of the Bible, all the way through to the last book, which is Revelations. From beginning to end, it conveys to us God's desire to know us and to be part of our lives. We go back to the first book of the Bible in Genesis. We see God meeting with Adam and Eve in the garden. Even after they ate of the forbidden fruit, and were banished from the garden, you still see God there tending to their needs, making them clothing, clothing from the animal skins. You see in the next, one of the next stories there of Cain and Abel, that God is still there, even after they're outside of Eden, still interacting with Cain and Abel. We see it with Noah, God working and living through his life, and Cain and uh, 
we see it through so many of the Old Testament stories. We see it with Noah. We see it with Abraham, David, a man who met with the Lord regularly, who God said is a man after my own heart. You see, there's so many historical people recorded in the Bible that knew God, that God interacted with. And a relationship with God is not some new doctrine that's just come out of the New Testament from the disciples of Jesus, but it is something that God has cared about right from the very beginning. Deuteronomy 6.5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. You see, in the Ten Commandments, the first few Ten Commandments here are about God's relationship with us. The next bottom half of, of the Ten Commandments are about man's relationship with each other. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. These things are largely about us and God. And you see the bottom half is about God cares about not only our relationship with him, but our relationship with each other. God is involved in it all. Honor your father and your mother. Do not murder, commit adultery, steal. Bear false witness against your neighbor. And don't covet. Don't desire your neighbor's things. And think of ways to steal it. And have something that you don't have. And be shrouded in lack of contentment all the time because you feel like you always need something more than you have. There's an old Charlie Brown cartoon strip with Lucy sitting at a five-cent psychology booth where Charlie Brown stops to ask for advice about life because, you know, Lucy was so wise. Lucy says, Charlie, life is like a deck chair. On the cruise ship of life, some people place their deck chairs at the rear of the ship so they can see where they've been. Others place their chair at the front of the ship so they can see where they're going. Lucy then asked, Charlie Brown, which kind of person are you? Charlie glumly looks up at, at Lucy and says, I've never been able to get my check deck chair unopened. That's Charlie Brown, a cynical, sad, melancholy, But I relate to that. There's some days that I feel like I can't even get my deck chair unopened. Do you feel that way some days? You know there's things that you desire to do and things you want to do and things you should do, but you don't, you're not doing them in your life. But the good news is that the spiritual life, it's about a relationship with the Lord, is not about our competency. It's about intimacy with him. And our relationship with Christ is not based on our ability to work for him or even perform for others, but it's about trusting God, learning to abide in him, and by his power at work within us, he will accomplish it. Our job is to seek him, to love him, to learn to be still in his presence and know that he is God. and to learn to hear his voice and to obey. It's not about living in our own strength and being Superman. 
Because it's not by our own strength that we build and contribute to the kingdom of God. The Spirit moves in our life sometimes, I know in my life, despite of me. Sometimes I'm amazed what God does. Sometimes I'm amazed at what God is doing in some of the lives of the young people in this church. And some, some days I say, God, it's by your grace, because it's not by what I'm doing. You are moving, and God, you're doing it despite of my lack of competency sometimes. That's what's amazing about God, is that it's through his spirit, moving in and through us, that the kingdom of God is established and built. Christ will build his church, and the powers of hell will not prevail against it. It's not about our competency. You see, for years in the past, I used to frustrate myself because I had this idea in my mind of the spiritual person that I was aiming to be. Maybe some of you are a bit of perfectionist yourself and have ideas in your mind of who you should be that aren't always reasonable or really what God has put there, but what you have established in your mind. Sometimes I think the enemy puts high expectations in our mind on purpose to derail us, shows us a part truth, but then twists it to derail us because the second that we slip up, many of us want to pull away and retract from God rather than press in and ask for forgiveness and seek him more. We can't be burdened by our own failures and inability to measure up to the stature of who we think we should be. We need to become who God wants us to be. And we can only do that when we are spending time in his presence, when we are seeking his face, where we're not focused on what we can do, but we're pressing in to what God can do in our life. What God is continuing to show me in my life is that the gospel and relationship with him is not complicated, but actually rather simple. The truths of the gospel were simple on purpose. Jesus said even a child can understand it. But us adults like to complicate things. I don't know if you've ever done this, taken something simple and made it really, really complicated. Probably the best example would be me trying to make IKEA furniture. Um, yeah. I don't know if you have the same problem as me. There's instructions there, but you might as well throw them out or read the Chinese version because, oh, it's horrible. Horrible. Do you know what? I got this new little thing in my office right now, and Rhea's going to build it for me. I'm so excited. She loves building Ikea furniture, and I get so frustrated. And the last time we built this dresser for the kid's room, and, I, and we got partway through, and I said, Rhea, there's pieces missing. I'm so frustrated. Now we're going to have to go back to Edmonton and get pieces. I can't believe it. She's like, there's not pieces missing. Move aside. Get, she gets in there, and like, come, I, I leave. I come back five minutes later. She's standing there beautifully. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Sometimes I like to take something that's simple and complicate it. You know, for example, prayer. Really, what is prayer? It's not complicated. Really, in most simplest terms, it's talking to God. Meditation. Not the sitting on a mountainside, mooming and high Christian meditation. Not the Eastern meditation that some of you would be, have an understanding of. Meditation, well, what is that? Well, really, at its essence, it's thinking about God and his word and allowing it to be digested into our heart and our spirit. It's thinking about God. 
solitude. What is that spiritual discipline about? Well, really, all it means is that we go aside somewhere by ourselves, away from distraction, away from the noise and the busyness of life, to intentionally spend some time with God. That's it. It's simple, folks. But why does it seem so hard? Maybe it's not hard for you. Maybe it's just hard for me. The amazing thing is that we have an instructional manual. It's called God's Word. And all we have to do is implement it. You may be a man like me and pretend like there is no guide there and just try to do it on your own, but we're going to mess things up. Why wouldn't we follow the instruction manual when it's sitting right there, men? Why? I don't know. If you know the answer to that question, please come see me after service. But the more time that I get in this mode of just simplifying what it means to have a relationship with God and spend time with Him, spend time in His Word, get into His presence more, what I begin to see is that I see God in the everyday, ordinary parts of my life. A scripture that Pastor Hayward finished off with on Thanksgiving was rejoice always. Yes. Every day give thanks, but there's one thing in between there that just drifted away. Rejoice always. Sorry? No. Rejoice always. That's horrible. I should have wrote it down. Rejoice always, praying without ceasing, and giving God thanks for all things. There we go. See, once again, not my own competency. See, the more that we invite God into the everyday, ordinary parts of our lives, we'll begin to see supernatural things happening. So for example, pray without ceasing. What does that mean, really? Well, what I've been discovering is that when you think about God and you begin to acknowledge him in all the little things in life every single day, that it's like praying when we're thinking about God, when we're bringing God into everything. So for example, when you know, I see little Everett's smile, it's the most amazing thing to me. It just lights me up. And my little son's smile just makes me so happy. And in that moment, I can say, God, thank you for my son. You are such a good father that you've given me the privilege to know what it means to be a father. It's a little Everett. You know, when we're out for a walk and we see the sunset, we see nature, to thank God, acknowledge him in what we see. When you're eating that lemon meringue pie, Pastor Hayward, and you taste how delicious it is, how sweet it is, taste and see that the Lord is good, we can acknowledge him, say, God, thank you that you are such a great God that you created this most amazing flavor of lemon meringue, that you gave man the wisdom to be able to create such a concoction that would taste so good in my mouth, that we can acknowledge God in everything, every part of our life, and it's like praying without ceasing, rejoicing always. Praying without ceasing, giving God thanks for all things. 
spiritual life, it's not always so clean cut and nicely packaged as I would like it to be. I've not found that my walk with God is always easy, clean, and tidy. If that's what you're looking for, I'm sorry, you won't find it in me. I'm not even wearing a tie. But I'm clean. I showered this morning. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about thinking that when Jesus is in our life, that everything's going to be perfect, that all the problems are going to melt away, that there won't be challenges, resistance, that we will no longer have temptation. That's not going to be the reality for most of us, for any of us. See, when challenges come and life begins to get a little messy, we can't check out. We have to press in and seek God and surround ourselves with people that are also pressing in and seeking the presence of God. And that's why we come to church. That's why we come and pray together. That's why we come on a Saturday evening and worship God. See, we need to enter into God's presence every day. It has to be something that we practice, something that we even do without thinking. It just becomes such a normal part of our life. Because life is not always easy, and God never promised that it would be easy. But what he did promise was that he'll always be with you through every trial, through every temptation. And he also promised to never leave you or forsake you. So we can know that the more we press into God, the more we'll have that peace that surpasses all understanding. When we sin and mess up our lives, we find that God doesn't go off and leave us, but he enters into our trouble and saves us. I love this quote, because when we mess things up, God is right there. We don't have to run away from him. He's right there. He enters into our mess if we allow him to. We don't have to run away. We don't have to hide our mess. We don't have to pick up the rug and sweep it under there like daddy won't see it. He asked me to clean the room, but daddy won't see it because it's under the rug. He knows it's there. And he'll enter into our trouble and save us and do what we allow him to do in our life. But we have to be open and invite him in. You see, the way of the spiritual life, a quote by a guy named Mac, Michael Iaconelli, the way of the spiritual life begins where we are now in the mess of our lives, accepting the reality of our broken and flawed lives as the beginning of spirituality. Not because the spiritual life will remove our flaws, but because we let go of seeking perfection and instead seek God, the one who is present in the entangledness of our lives. You see, a spiritual walk is not about the appearance of a perfect life. It's not about walking around and walking into church with a mask, pretending that everything is wonderful, even when you're dying inside. You feel broken, like you're falling apart. But it's about leaning into Christ, our Savior. Because do you know what? Jesus was my Savior that day that I invited him into my life, and he's still my Savior. He's never stopped being my Savior. And he's your Savior today, too. He enters into your life exactly where you're at and he collects up all those broken pieces and he mends them and he polishes them and he turns them into something beautiful. It may look different. It may be a bit of a mosaic, but it's beautiful in God's eyes. You see, intimacy with God happens as we draw near to him. In James 4, it says, draw near to him and he will draw near to us. You see, I've worked with young people now in the church for almost 10 years, and I see two main struggles 
with young people in general for why they seem to be leaving the faith once they come into their late teen years and into their college years. One is that they really do not know who the Lord is. They've been raised in the church, but they don't intimately know who God is. That they've been living on the coattails of mom and dad's faith. And they haven't had an encounter. If they have had an encounter, they're so infrequent and so rare that it can't sustain them. That they fall away. And two, the second thing is they see hypocrisy. They see people who behave one way in church and behave another way outside of church. They see people who have the spiritual front when they're around other Christians. But when they're in their regular lives, it's like they're a separate person. It's like they put their guard down and it doesn't matter. Our kids can't see us being two people. One at church, one at home. We need to be the same people to our kids every single day. You see, the problem with our faith sometimes is we focus on the outward appearance of things. What God is most, what God most cares about is the inward reality of our lives. Not how we look on the outside, not how we try to make ourselves appear to people on the outside. But God looks at the heart. We need to be clean on the inside. And when we enter into the presence of God and he begins to change us and work on our heart, that this natural thing happens where we just begin to look more like Jesus. That when we enter into his presence, the more time we spend in his presence getting to know him, the more we become like him. We don't have to pretend like we're perfect and we're like him now. We just have to press in, be vulnerable, be real. If we want to see people really come to know who Jesus is, we have to be real. We can't pretend. Like the second you know Jesus and you come to church, so now all of a sudden life is great. Because it is, but we know that we still have problems. We know we're not perfect. And it turns people off when we pretend like everything's great, but it's not. It's just not authentic. And we need to have the joy of the Lord in our life. And we need to present that. But at the same time, especially when we're in the church with our brothers and sisters, we need to be vulnerable with one, one another. When we're having a tough time, we don't need to shy away, pretend like we're great. We need to pray with each other. We need to encourage one another, lift each other up, and press into the presence of God together. The problem with our faith is we must begin with the inward reality of our lives. A godly life is not one in which we master the mechanics and outward appearance of the spiritual walk. It's about having a personal relationship with God Intimacy with him, it's about encountering his presence and carrying it where we go every single day and allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us into his likeness. A godly life is not one where we go to church once a week to check off a spiritual to-do list. It's about knowing him. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 in the message says this, are you tired? Are you worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. 
I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. It's so beautiful. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Keep company with him, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Who here is feeling heavy laden and burdened? We need to keep company with him. And this is the change that takes place in our lives when we understand how desperately we need him and we press in. We spend time with him. And it doesn't happen by accident. It's going to require some intentionality. The peace that surpasses all understanding is available to you and to me, and it comes from knowing Jesus. It comes as we enter into his presence, and when we enter into his presence daily. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Spiritual life, it's to know him. His worship team can come back up. God is so good. And I feel like we are right on the cusp of something great. Of the spirit moving in new ways in our lives like we've never seen. Seeing broken lives restored. Seeing people who are broken and sick healed. Seeing miracles taking place. And I'm just so grateful that we have a body of believers like we have here, that we can seek God together, that there's no lone ranger at Kola Community Church, but we're family. And uh, this morning, if you are feeling heavy laden, come up to the altar. Spend a few moments with God this morning. If you want to seek the Lord in a new way, come up. If you are if you have any need in your life, come on up. We need to reestablish this altar, the altar where we come to God and we worship him and we praise him daily. And it's not about this physical place. It could be in your bedroom, but we all need to be establishing altars, places of remembrance and celebration where we praise God and where we remember what he's done. So Father, I thank you, Lord, today, God, that you are good that your presence is real. God, I thank you that your presence is here this morning. Lord, I thank you. God, that it's not about our competency. God, it's not about what we can do. But Lord, it's what you can do through us. Lord God, I thank you it's not about being perfect. God, it's about you, knowing you. Father, I thank you. I thank you for how much you love us this morning. Lord, may everyone in this room have revelation of how much you love them.
Lord, may there be an increase stirring in our, in our hearts and in our spirit, God, to seek you, to seek your face. Lord God, to lay aside how we look, to lay aside our fear of man, to lay aside all the things that we have made important in our lives, God, that really aren't. God, the things that we've elevated in our lives above you, Lord, would you forgive us this morning? Lord, would you forgive me for the things that distract me from you, but yet I continue to do and seek after God to a detriment to myself? Holy Spirit, would you come? Lord, would you come in a new amazing way? Thank you, God. God, we need you so much. So much. Father, we thank you. Come, come to the front. If you want to kneel, if you just want to spend a few moments with God, come and kneel at the altar and nobody will disturb you. If you need prayer, come on up and our prayer team will pray with you. Amen. You have been listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.